Pastor Xavier Reese with a simple truth about spiritual gifts. There are many distinct and different ways the supernatural power of God works in the church body, acting as one through the different gifts, ministries, and activities in the church. They are different in person. They are different in position. They are different in personal involvement. But they're one. Unity is magnified by the diversity. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What if your brand new car was delivered to you in parts, but came with no directions? You might say it would be cause for chaos and frustration. Well, when it comes to the inner workings of the body of Christ, all too often Christians try to live outside the whole counsel of the Word of God. That's why Pastor Xavier uses today's broadcast to offer these simple truths for the proper use of our spiritual gifts. Let's listen. All right, you have a Bible. Why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please. Paul now turns to answer questions the Corinthians had asked him regarding spiritual gifts. Remember that he opened up his letter acknowledging the grace of God that had been bestowed upon them in Jesus Christ, enriched in everything, in all utterance and knowledge, so they came short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's in chapter 1, verse 4, down to 7. So that opening statement tells you that the gifts are until the Lord returns. So those who do not believe in the gifts, they're totally just with that scripture alone, let alone there are many others. They were endowed, but they were carnal. Divisions, party factions, divisions that come in, each had chosen their own prominent teacher. I'm a Cephas, I'm a Apollos, so on and so forth. Paul now takes three chapters, about 20% of the letter, to deal with the problem of the gifts, which is a clear evidence of the severity of the problem. There was great ignorance and confusion that brought about much disorder in the assembly of the church through the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, as we're going to see later on. Some were wanting to show off on their gifts, and they favored those that were more demonstrative, tongues, miracles, so on and forth, forth speaking in tongues, uh, interpretation. We'll get to that later on. But uh, they, they were just carried away by these things, and they weren't glorifying God. Now, let me give you a rough breakdown of the three chapters regarding the gifts so that uh, you can see the orderly progression of Paul's counsel. In chapter 12 here, verse 1 and 11, we have the proclamation. Uh, verse 12 through 26, you have the illustration. 27 to 31, you have the application. And then when you get to chapter 13, you have the motivation. And then 14, 1 through 5, you have the exhortation. And then in 14, 6 through 40, you have the instruction on the three problematic gifts, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. Okay? These were the most flashy ones. So that gives you the illustration uh, of the breakdown of the catalog, how he progresses through this uh, entire section. So what we want to do is focus on chapter 12, verse 1 through 11, the proclamation of Paul regarding the gifts, which is described in three ways. Let me read for us. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Uh, you know that you were Gentiles carried away through these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 
There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversity of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings. By the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another different kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. Distributing to each one individually as he wills. So the proclamation of Paul regarding the gifts is described in these three ways. First, the tragedy of the gifts. Verse 1 through 3. Secondly, We have the unity by diversity of the gifts, verse 4 through 6. And thirdly, the validity of the gifts, verse 7 to 11. The tragedy of the gifts, verse 1 through 3. Notice verse 1. Paul stated spiritual ignorance marked the Corinthians' present condition. The apostle indicated he was responding to their questions about the gifts they had asked him about. Listen to the words. Now concerning spiritual gifts. The phrase appears six times in the letter. We've seen it in chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter here 12. We're going to see it in 16. It's about the questions they ask. Now, the word spiritual, nematicos, it means belonging to the Holy Spirit, the one who is filled and governed by the Spirit of God. Anytime a Greek word ends in a ikos, the suffix, it's characterized by something that is dominated by its nature. One who is dominated by sinful nature is sarkikos, sark, sin, flesh, literally, flesh. Sarkikos, dominated by the flesh. And they were carnal. One who is dominated by the Spirit of God is called pneumatikos. This is the contrast. Spiritual, carnal. Paul is instructing them on spiritual things. They are carnal. The Corinthians had a problem depending on the Holy Spirit of God from the opening chapter, leaning to human knowledge and wisdom and understanding rather than the Spirit of God. Chapter 2, verse 4 is just one of those places. Now, notice the apostle was very concerned about the Corinthians' ignorance about the gifts of the Spirit. He says, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Notice in verse 2, Paul stated, religious knowledge marked the Corinthians' past condition. You know that you were Gentiles carried about away with these dumb idols, however you were led. The majority of the Corinthian church were made up of Gentiles, as you know. They had come out of idolatrous background due to their ignorance. They were in the midst of idolatry there. He's already dealt with the aspect of idols and temples in 8, 9, and 10. There were Jews, but the majority were Gentiles. Now, though sincere, they were ignorantly led and carried away to dumb idols. They had been carried away, meaning led away to these idols. The majority of us probably come out of a Catholic background. We were led to dumb idols. We prayed to Mary, we prayed to saints, we prayed to virgins, we prayed to rosary, put the scapular on, we did the stations of the cross, we stuck our finger in that dirty water and crossed ourselves. And because we were ignorant, you understand? We were blind, dead. But then the gospel came to us and it opened our eyes. The imperfect passive tense marks repeated occurrences in various ways and times. When you're religious, you just keep adding to your little gods. 
You want to make sure you don't miss any of them. Remember Athens? Paul said, hey, listen, I see you guys are religious. You guys have all kinds of gods. You don't want to miss nobody. You even have one to the unknown God. I want to talk to you about him. I know his name. <laughs> so when you're religious, you have a horseshoe, a rabbit's foot. You cross your finger. You put a, a scapula around. You put a rosary on. And you cross yourself, even the long one. You do everything just in case. And you keep adding to your repertoire of gods. That's what you do when you're religious. The word is used of leading Jesus to the cross in Matthew 27, 31. Paul told them that behind idol worship were demons in chapter 10, verse 20. Now the idols were dumb, voiceless. That's what it means. In contrast to the Holy Spirit whose voice they were to heed. There were many ways and manners they were drawn to the idols. However, you were led. Their past ignorance about God and the things of God were not to continue as the rule of their life in Christ. They were being led to believe something unscriptural about the Spirit of God in relationship to Jesus. The next verse is going to specify what it is. They were to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. They were new creatures. They had a new master. And so in verse 3, Paul stated intellectual confusion marked the Corinthian condition. The word, therefore, is a concluding statement. On account of your idolatrous background, I want to remove your ignorance about the nature of the Spirit of God. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. The apostle is correcting the wrong understanding about the witness of the Holy Spirit regarding Jesus Christ. Don't miss it. They were being led away to believe that one who possessed the Spirit of God through the gifts of the Spirit could call Jesus a curse. That's nonsense. This is what they were being led away to believe. The word accursed, anathema, as you know, means that which is devoted to God for destruction without any ability of redemption. It goes back to the Old Testament. Leviticus 27, 28, Joshua 6, 17. Literally, Paul says, you don't love the Lord, go to hell. You're dedicated for destruction. Pretty heavy, isn't it? Paul wouldn't get a job at churches today. He really wouldn't. <laughs> Notice the word say. It's in the indicative present active, indicating a real case, not some hypothetical thing. This is a real scenario that's going on, okay? Be careful of people that try to make hypothetical situations out of Scripture. Paul didn't, didn't address fictitious situations. Now notice the Corinthians were believing and teaching that a person of the Spirit, or by the Spirit of God, could curse Jesus. They were doing this in contradiction to the scriptures. They were accusing God of confusing or causing confusion and disorder in his own church. It's inconsistent. Notice the apostle then communicates the right understanding about the witness of the Holy Spirit regarding Jesus. You have the negative, now you have the positive. This is the parallel to it. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So you can't curse him by the Spirit, and no one can say that he's Lord except by the Spirit. There's the positive. This does not refer to mere intellectual and verbal expression of the statement. Anyone can do that, even an unbeliever. The statement refers to the genuine heart confession that comes by the conviction and illuminating work of the Holy Spirit of God, which God alone knows the truth of the heart. 
I take it by faith and I let your life run and time will tell me if your confession is true and genuine. You understand? Time is a test of all things. Simple. I'm not God. I don't know your heart. I take you by faith. It's amazing to me the ignorance regarding these gifts. There's a very popular, very excellent expositor that if I said his name, you would know him. And yet when he teaches regarding the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he attributes some of them to demons. That's scary. A lot of ignorance today in the church. Today there is still much ignorance about the gifts of the Spirit and they are, as they are exercised in a carnal, circus-type atmosphere at times that bring much confusion. A lot of emotionalism is involved in it. A lot of, look at me, look at me. Let me give you a simple principle. Gifts are no credentials for spirituality. You can have gifts galore and be 100% beef. (laughs) God just gives them to you, not because you're good, not because you're mature, not because you deserve them, but because He gives them for the benefit of the body. We'll see that in the third point. And so many people try to use their gifts as credentials for spirituality. No, no, no. Gifts are just gifts. Corinthians were carnal. They had all kinds of gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in all the churches of the saints. Today in the church, due to the lack of Bible teaching, many people mix and integrate their past religious beliefs with Christianity. It's called syncretism. Plus, the emergent church teachers are teaching contemplative prayer and labyrinth walks, which is just contrary to Scripture. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside the fables. Welcome to the end days. The majority of denominations have turned away from the inspiration of the scriptures that they are inerrant and infallible. Majority of the universities that are Christian, certainly seminaries, they have turned away. God help us. Today the same old rumor is still floating around about people cursing Jesus through the gifts of the Spirit. They say, my aunt was in this meeting and she was there and her niece saw her and she said this and they said, Jesus is accursed. Well, who cares? They couldn't do it by the Spirit of God. That doesn't mean the gifts aren't legitimate. It means it was a bad representation and it wasn't of the Lord. It's simple. Yet they will use that to propagate that the gifts are not for today. Really. Listen, if they were essential for the first century church... They have to be more essential for the last generation before it comes. Ephesians 4.14 says, Being children tossed to and fro, carried about with every one of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitfulness plotting. That's what happens when the church is not perfecting the saints, teaching the word of God. My responsibility is to teach you so you can depend on the Lord. My responsibility is to cut the umbilical cord and slap you nice and hard and have you take a lot of air in. So you can breathe. The tragedy of the gifts is the ignorance that contradicts the word of God. Notice secondly, four through six. 
The unity by diversity of the gifts. That's next. In verse 4, Paul stated there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. The word give charisma, according to Thayer's lexicon, means grace or gifts denoting extraordinary power, distinguishing certain Christians and enabling them to serve the church of Christ, the reception of which is due to the power of divine grace operating on their soul by the Holy Spirit. We're merely channels, vessels. That's all we are as we yield. The word appears five times in this chapter. Verse 4, 9, 28, 30, and 31. The word appears only two other times in this in the letter. 1 Corinthians 1, 7, to the gifts of the Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 7, 7, for the gift of celibacy. Now, the gifts are diverse from one another. Distributing to different individuals. Now, the word appears in the plural form. Don't miss that. Three times in the New Testament in these three verses. Verse 4, 5, and 6. Not just one. There are many gifts. In fact, there are 21 that are listed in the scripture. Gifts differ according to the grace given to each individual. Romans twelve six tells us. The gifts, though diverse in kind, have the common source. Notice... By the same Spirit. The word Spirit referring to the third person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit often referred to by the personal pronoun He capitalized. The Holy Spirit, the other comforter, just like Jesus, to do the work of Jesus and speak only of Jesus, never glorifying Himself. John 16, 13 through 14. When people start glorifying the Holy Spirit more than Jesus, be careful. Jesus said, He is the other one just like me, but he doesn't speak about himself. He doesn't glory in himself. He only talks about me. Interesting. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Grace for the age of grace in Hebrews 10.29. The Holy Spirit knows the things of God, Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 2.12. Because he's God. Now look at 5. Paul stated there are different ministries, but the same Lord. The word ministries, diakonia, means the service or the act of serving, the function and ministration of those who render to others the offices of Christian affection. The word is used of Martha, coming about with much serving as Mary sat at the Lord's feet in Luke 10.40. The word is used for the word of the ministry or church body in Ephesians 4.11. The purpose of the church is to perfect the same for the work of ministry, service. The word in different form is used for deacons, which basically identifies one who is an errand boy, a waiter on tables, emphasizing the servant type attitude. The way you know of your servant is when someone treats you like one. If you don't like it, you just find out you're not a servant. It's real simple. There are many distinct and different kinds and ways of serving ministries to serve the body of Christ. The word diversity there again, as in verse 4, is the same, a distinctiveness of another, yet of the same category. So you may have all kinds of species of dogs, but they're all dogs. You have many ministries, but there are different ways to serve in those ministries. You understand? Variety. 
This implies a design of specific purpose and goal. Different approaches. The goal is efficiency. Now notice the different ministries of service, though diverse in the kind of service rendered, but they have the same Lord. Same Spirit, now same Lord. Kurios, it means the one whom a person belongs to. He is the master. He's the one that has a deciding factor over that person or possession. The word was used as a title for the Roman emperor as a god. The title is used for God, the Messiah, the person of Jesus Christ. Kurios. Now, next Paul states in verse 6, there are diversities of activities, but the same God. Again, the word activities here means the things wrought. Affect or operation. The idea and emphasis is on the effect through the energy and the power to bring about the result of the supernatural enabling of the Holy Spirit. This form of the word is used only two times in the New Testament. The other is found in verse 10 right here. The word working. Same word. There are many distinct and different ways the supernatural power of God works in the church body. The word diversity again, as in 4 and in 5, a distinctiveness of another, yet of the same category. The activities of God to bring effective results are innumerable. We miss so much. God is working when we don't even know. God isn't working in ways that we have no idea. But there are so many things that we can see Him do in so many ways. Now, the distinct and different activities of effect and result are many, but it is the same God who works all in all. Mark that well. The reference to God is the Father who sent His Son for us, the sinner. The Father is in harmony and in union with the same Spirit and the same Lord. The Trinity of God cannot be missed. Three distinct persons, yet one God. Three distinct persons, yet all God. Three distinct persons, yet diverse in the part they play in the salvation of man, the service rendered, and the activities of effects and results. Notice the very teaching of unity is magnified through diversity operated by the three persons of the Trinity here, acting as one through the different gifts, ministries, and activities in the church. They are different in person. They are different in position. They are different in personal involvement. But they're one. So unity is magnified by the diversity. The unity is made by the same Spirit, same Lord, same God. And don't miss the word but. It's repeated three times, marking the unity despite the diversity. It emphasizes it. This is this but the same Spirit. This is this but the same Lord. This is this but the same God. <laughs> the various ministries in various manners and forms they are carried out in the church are astounding as the Lord God raises up people. 
In the 39 years I've walked with God, I'm always amazed how God does things, who He uses, how He brings it about. <laughs> Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating the simple truths about the variety of gifts within the body of Christ. And there's much more to come next time. But if you've missed any part of this important study, you can hear it again online simply by clicking the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Of course, if you wish to obtain your own personal copy or perhaps wish to pass this message along to a friend, you can request a CD as well. The title is Ignorance About Spiritual Gifts and is available on CD for just $4. Once again, the title you want to ask for is Ignorance About Spiritual Gifts or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. Is one spiritual gift greater than another? Learn more when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com